Tabernacle Podcast with me, Britton Bishop, and today um, I am joined by, drumroll please, thanks Benji, uh, Rachel Vor and Heidi Burgess. We are back for part two of Questions Women Ask, and I'm pumped. I got invited into the room, so I don't know what happened. I've moved up from JV to a varsity podcast host, so I'm excited to be here with these two incredible women of the Tabernacle. So thank you guys so much for joining. Welcome back. Thanks. Rachel, this is round three for you it is. in the podcast. Yep. And how many have you been on now? Um, three. Yeah? Yeah. Yep. Well, sweet. You guys are familiar with these two incredible um, women of the Tabernacle. And we're excited to jump back in to these questions. But before we get into that, I, I need to know. Um, it's not I want to. I need to know. It's a question I've asked a couple times across um, a couple different episodes. But I, I, I think it's a trust thing for me. If I don't know this about you, I don't know if I can trust you. Um, so say kind of Thanksgiving to Christmas, like this kind of holiday season, what's one thing, preferably a food item, just because that's my love language, but it can be whatever, that if it doesn't happen, that season is like a bust. So like Thanksgiving day all the way to like the end of Christmas, if this one thing doesn't happen, we might as well have just skipped it anyways. What's that for you guys? Well, um, in our family, like always when I was a little girl, I, I'm Danish by primarily by heritage. And there's a Danish Christmas cookie called Kringler, which is shaped like a pretzel, but it's really just a butter sugar cookie. And if that doesn't happen. Do you make them? Yes, I do. And my children make them. And yeah, I will awesome. make you some. Yeah, I, was, I knew you knew I was going to go there. My favorite thing to do to anybody is when they say, yeah, I make this thing. Prove it. Mm-hmm. Prove it. Never seen it. That's yeah. awesome. That sounds yeah. good. So it looks like a pretzel, but it's a cookie. Mm-hmm. It's not there. Heidi's pissed. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Not angry, just sad. But like broken, crumbled <laughs> heat. <laughs> Who makes the best one you've ever had? My grandma. Okay, grandma. Does Tim like them? Yes, they're his favorite. He probably pounds them with coffee, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see it already. What about for you, Rachel? Uh, so food wise. Uh, well, it was just my mom's um, fruitcake, and it wasn't like the gross fruitcake <laughs> that was hard and dry. It took sixty days for her to make it, and it tasted more like those like ja- yeah, like those Jamaican like rum cakes, kind of sixty days. Sixty days, and so um, that was a huge thing for me growing up. I um, but because I don't want to invest that much time, <laughs> I haven't had one of those in a while. So, so what is it now? Um, so now it's um, not food related, but okay. it's um, a fireplace in our okay. in our fire like in our fireplace. house, like nice. having a fire. Well, so. I'm glad neither one of you said green bean casserole because I'm starting a group um, <laughs> that I've recently. Uh, it's it's either going to be a hate club for people against me, or I'm going to have an army. Mm-hmm. Green bean casserole does not belong on tables anywhere. Oh, you're wrong. No, because I eat when name one time outside of Thanksgiving to Christmas Day that you eat green bean casserole. Um, Easter. Liar. I have I have eaten it. I don't fix it for my kids because the only one of them really likes it. And that's why I love the Burgess family. Yes. Which one likes it? Jake. Okay, if it was Marcus, I was gonna have trust issues. Oh, Marcus likes everything. Well, yeah, I watched Marcus eat pickled quail eggs i think one day in the green room it was the worst smell i've ever smelled Mm -hmm. anytime i'm preaching on the stage in buckley and i can smell something Mm -hmm. i'm just like oh marcus is on team this week because he's eating or burning something in the green room right now marcus has already introduced (laughs) leo my four-year-old grandson to tripe and tongue tacos (laughs) love it Mm -hmm. Uh, i love it marcus burgess is a legend well sweet (laughs) for me i don't remember what i said last week i think i said dressing um covered in gravy 
because that's mm-hmm. just feels Christian to me. Mm-hmm. But I'll pick a new one this week with Christmas in mind. Um, I will say it's of recent. Um, and I don't even know if this has anything to do with Christmas or Thanksgiving, but Hope made it. And now we've eaten it twice and I love it. And it's cookie dough dip. It feels like Christmas to me because it's new to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was somebody asked me the other day, what's one of you guys' Christmas traditions? And I said, I have no idea. We'll figure it out. I am notoriously the ball humbug um, because of my own issues. And so you guys pray for hope. She's dealing with that because she's mm-hmm. the Christmas tree was up before Thanksgiving. We're fired up. We're mm-hmm. doing it. And so, yeah, we're there. It's a great time. But yes. everybody's got a stocking. Chief has a stocking. So good times. Yeah. And did you turkey trot? Nope. No, we went down late this year, but I would have been ready this year. Mm-hmm. I would have been ready to, uh, but this is the best part is they're all like, yeah, you get a donut at the end. You can get a donut at Westco on my way home. <laughs> but this year they were out of donuts. And I can promise you they would have never had another turkey truck because I'd have been flipping tables. It would have been biblical. The, mm-hmm. the, oh, it would have been bad. <laughs> East Grand Rapids would have never been the I same. just ran. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. So uh, we will uh, jump. Benji, did you answer this question last week? Do you want to? You don't have to. No, not feeling it. Benji would say anything that his mom cooks because he loves Mama Darcy's food, right? Some of it. Some of it. All right, we'll take it. So, <laughs> see if mom even Ooh, listens she to the has podcast. These, like, Most of it, but yeah. Caramel cookies that she makes, like the caramel chocolate chip. Never had them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Benji cannot confirm. Okay. Never, never heard What's the best dessert your mom makes, Benji? Just. Cook, just chocolate chip cookies. They're good. I mean, I've had them. Yeah. There's a, a Portuguese or Brazilian lasagna that she makes that's amazing and has ham in it and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's Brazilian lasagna. Yeah. Ooh, Benji's on it. Sweet. <laughs> well, uh, we will jump in now to part two of uh, questions women ask. This question right here that somebody submitted says, how do you know when God is speaking to you versus when it's your own ideas? How do you know? My simple answer for that is practice, right? Mm -hmm. So if I um, had something, I think that, well, obviously, if it's not sinful, then it might be from God, Mm -hmm. right? That's the first filter. If it's sinful, it's not from God. Um, But I start with, um, is it going to serve my needs or someone else? And then I try. And if it, bears fruit or nothing, then I probably got it right. And if it goes badly, either I executed it poorly or I was wrong. Yeah. So then I think more about it the next time. Yeah. Practice. That's good. I'm kind of logical. More time listening, stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. good. Um, I think for sure um, the best way to know that God is speaking to you is to know his word mm. because you'll understand that he speaks in a certain way. He'll say certain things. It won't contradict what the Bible says. And so um, because his spirit lives in me, I know that he's speaking to me usually um, when it's kind of comes from a quiet place, when um, I know that I'm not that smart to come up with it on my own. And then it's been tested, though. Like, that's a huge thing that when when these thoughts come in, um, it's tested by by scripture is a huge thing. Um, but I think it's important for us to remember, um, like Jesus said, like my sheep know my voice, you know? And so the more that you're in his word, the more you will know what your father sounds like. And the distinction becomes quite great. Um, the more that you're in the word, because, um, to further that, that scripture, like it says that the, the, 
the stranger or the enemy will come and they, they won't listen to him. And oftentimes we do get these thoughts or these voices or these things that are more of like a condemnation rather than a conviction or um, stuff like that. And so the more we're in his word and we can stand in the, the, the truth of his promises, the more we'll be like, it's that kind of like, we'll get that stranger danger mm-hmm. thing that goes off that we're like, wait, no, my, my, my father would never say that to me. You know, um, and then most, and then the other times is um, when it's an encouragement, like to go and speak to somebody or go and um, do things um, or say things to some, somebody, but it's like, you kind of have to step outside of your comfort zone because you're like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say this to you, but I, I feel like the, like the father is like trying to tell me to say this to you. And it's stuff, it's information that I never would have known mm-hmm. otherwise, but it, because God is such an intimate God, he knows everything that everyone is going through. Yeah. So even if it's just a word of encouragement, I may not understand why I need to call up somebody randomly, but he, but God, God knows. Yeah. And so in the obedience, like, um, the more, like Heidi, you said about practicing, the more that you're willing to go and, and be obedient in those little promptings, the more you're like, ah, oh, that was you, God. Like that was yeah. totally you. Cause I could have never known any of that information, you yeah, know? That's so good. Yeah. And I think too, um, whenever I think about like hearing God's voice or d- determining whether that was God's voice, is that my own idea was that Taco Bell that I just ate, right? Whatever that might be. Often I, I find that if you're struggling hearing God's voice, I would ask the question, have you stopped talking long enough to hear it? Mm-hmm. Because so many people, their prayer life is built around this idea of, yeah, I spend time in word and, then, and the word or whatever, and then I just talk or I just journal and I just spend so much time doing and feeling like I need to just like vomit all of this stuff out so that I can get it all out to God, which is good. And there's a place for that. But I would also encourage like this prayer acronym that we teach the students around here is parts and it's praise, admit, request, thanksgiving, and then the S is shut up mm. when you're when you're seeking to hear God's voice when you're seeking to discern what is God asking me to do in this space or calling me to do with whatever that might be stop talking mm-hmm. because it's really hard to hear him when you haven't stopped talking and I find often the more I talk the more I can explain my way into or out of something mm-hmm. rather than listening trusting that that is the voice of the father you hit on it going back to scripture does this align with God's word um and if it does, you're you're good. Like I'm just gonna say it. Like you're good. And mm-hmm. it might be uncomfortable. Um, it might be a risk, and it might be difficult. But if it lines with God's word, and you feel like you heard it, and it's not something you would usually do that aligns with God's word, take a risk of obedience. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Let's try it. I, one of my favorite stories, and I might have told it on this podcast before. There's a pastor that um, was telling a story about he started running, which is a horrible idea. But uh, he started <laughs> running, and he's running in his neighborhood. And one day he's like, "Man, it was just clear as day." I need to go tell my neighbor about Jesus. I see this guy out here all the time. So he goes and he said, he's like, man, I laid it on this dude. I'm presented the gospel, did this whole thing. And at the end, I'm like, so does that feel like something you'd be interested in? He's like, my neighbor looked at me and he was like, no, I'm good. And he said, and I walked away from that thinking, did I hear God wrong? Mm-hmm. Did I hear God wrong? And he said, it was months and months and months later that he's at his house and he hears a knock on the door and it's the neighbor. And he says, Hey man, uh, I've been meaning to come by and tell you, uh, that, that really meant a lot to me what you said that day. And uh, I'm actually, I'm plugged into a church now. I've been baptized. I, I follow this Jesus that you told me about, and uh, I'm actually serving at that church. I'm a part of the prayer team now. And this pastor's just like taken back, like, whoa, like this all happened. But just left in that moment, he's like, did I hear God wrong? Mm-hmm. And so I think as well in those spaces, 
if you take a risk of obedience and it doesn't go the way you thought it would, mm-hmm. don't instantly assume that that wasn't God calling you to that right. because we're not in charge of the results of our obedience. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, because there's so many people that get discouraged whenever they do mm-hmm. take that risk or they do take that step of obeying what they perceive to be the voice of God mm-hmm. and it doesn't go the way they thought it would. And then it's like, but did it? Mm-hmm. And then the end of that story is the guy goes, yeah, I'm a part of the prayer team. And he goes, that's awesome. What are you guys praying for? Because I would love to be praying with you. And the guy's like, well, we're actually in a pastoral transition and we're interviewing some people and we think we found the guy. So we just pray that this goes smoothly. And he goes, oh, what church are you at? Like, well, I'm at this church in Atlanta. And uh, this pastor goes, really? Well, I just accepted the position to be the lead pastor at your church. And this whole story oh, wow. comes to fruition that this neighbor that he didn't even think really was a dude that was praying for him to step into his next place that God was yeah. calling him to. And so that would be my biggest thing is, man, take the risk of obedience. Mm-hmm. Just try it. Like in listening and in discerning, go for it and don't overthink it. Yeah. So, yeah. But I do think though that we need to test all things, right? And so when that obedience, there's sometimes God reveals things to us and he does want us to sit on it for a minute. So it's like, okay, like the next thing that I have to ask is like, what do you want me to do with it? Mm-hmm. So like if I feel like God is is saying something to me, I will sit in it and then I'll be like, okay, what would you like me to do with it? Do you want me, like, is this for me? Is this for my my family? Is mm-hmm. it for the church? Is it, and I have to kind of go through the, the, the not the checklist, right. but just like, of like the testing of like, it's going to be in your spirit and mm-hmm. your time. When, when am I supposed to speak right. or if I'm supposed to speak and who am I supposed to speak this to, you know, kind yeah. of thing. So, so, my question, because I know you well enough to know this is something you do well um, and you do often. And it's a practice. It's a spiritual rhythm in your life of of listening and discerning from the Spirit of God and facilitating that into other people's lives. It's a really beautiful gift that God has given you. But starting out, what did that look like for you? Was that like a difficult thing? Was it like, what's going on? Like, how, What did those like first like baby steps of obedience look like at like the beginning of that for you? Um. It wasn't a baby step. It was a very big step. Yeah. And for me, especially because I've always had a fear of man. Right. And so I, um, the the first time that I remember, I, I came and I talked to Tim and Heidi about something that was happening mm-hmm. or that I, that I felt like God was showing me. And um, it was, I was shaking in my boots. Mm-hmm. I was so scared. And, but then I got to this place where I'm like, I will be disobedient if I do not bring this up now. And regardless of what everyone else will say, like my loyalty is to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't easy. My, like that first, I mean, it still never is right. easy. Cause I'm even if I feel like I have to give somebody a call randomly, I'm yeah. like, Hey, I know this is really weird, but I'm <laughs> supposed to call you, you know? Yeah. But, um, I remember though, because we have under shepherds mm-hmm. that are over me. I was able to bring it to you and Tim and to John. And then I had, there was a period of about eight months or so. I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about, but you don't. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Not because I don't love you. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, I do. And so about eight, eight to nine months were going by and there was so much happening behind the scenes, but beca- but I wasn't a part of it. I did my part mm-hmm. and I had to just sit in the, okay, I know God told me to do this. I keep seeing this. I mm-hmm. trust my under shepherds mm-hmm. though to take take control or take yeah. part of what needs to be done. 
And there was a lot of things happening behind the scenes that you guys were doing that I wasn't aware. And so during that eight month time frame, it was really hard for me because that is when the the enemy would mm-hmm. come and be like, you're crazy. Yeah, They think you're so weird. Why would you ever say that? Like, you know, and, and I would start hearing all these things from the enemy trying to convince me um, that, 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 that I was just crazy, I guess, yeah. you know, but then um, when it all came out in the open and well, not open, but when all came out, when it resolved, when it resolved um, that was confirmation of like, I understand why I was supposed to be obedient. And maybe you guys would have known all of the things anyways, mm-hmm. but I think that was just an act of obedience that God was calling me to mm-hmm. of like, I'm going to grow your faith that that I that you are mine and that yeah. you can hear my voice kind of in, in mm-hmm. that situation. And yeah. so it's never easy. It's always, always a scary thing, even if it's you're calling up a long lost, like a long time friend, right. you know. Um, but it's in those acts of obedience that you, you mostly, um, not always, but you sometimes get the fruit of like, man, I was having the worst day and I was going to go to this place. And how did you know to call me right in this moment? And I think that's part of your testimony. Didn't you have a a time like that where you had a friend call you up? You were going through a really hard time and your friend, Andrew, maybe called you. Maybe I'm. No. Yeah. I mean, I've had going through a lot of rough times most of the time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But the the story for like my like salvation experience, what led to all of that was this girl that's like smaller mm-hmm. than anybody in this room by all like, and I was a big, scary, whatever, gross smelling football player. And she approached me in the quad at our university. And so like, Hey, do you want to come to church tonight? Mm-hmm. And that all started with that morning, her and her um, now husband were having coffee and they felt like in their prayer time, God was like, Hey, if you guys see Britain today, you should invite him to church. Mm-hmm. And of course she's the one that sees me, not the guy that I played football with that I'm, I used to be friends with all this stuff. And, and through that, like through her, like, step of obedience, her risk of obedience, her yes, it led to me at the feet of Jesus that night, like life upside down wrecked. And so that was a moment where like she got to see that and experience that. But I think as well, like with what you're hitting on, there are moments that you don't Mm -hmm. and you just have to trust God and trust the fact that he's got better ideas. Um, Like I think about the story that Heidi and I preached on with Joshebed, Mm -hmm. Moses's mom. Mm -hmm. It's this moment of like, oh, crap. I got to let this baby go down the river and she has no idea what's going to happen. But mm-hmm. through this whole series of events, it just shows like God had a better idea for that. Mm-hmm. And, and he moved in the midst of that. And this incredible legend of old Moses that we know about, it all started with somebody else saying yes as well. Right. And it was a moment that didn't make sense. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, that's where I don't know. Anything well, else? Well, I would say too. So there's been three pretty different perspectives on that mm-hmm. because there's pre three pretty different people. Right. Um, so what I suggested might not work for you. Right. What Rachel suggested might be exactly what you need. Um, he, you are uniquely created by right. God to be you. Mm-hmm. And so he isn't going to work exactly the same in your life as mine. So if it, if one of them sounded like, oh, that's me, then that's yeah. you. Yeah. And if one of them didn't, then maybe it's not you. Worth exploring because, like Rachel said in her story, at one point, you know, I'm going to be disobedient if I don't do right. this. Um, but it's it looked different for right. all of us, and so it made it look different yeah, for our absolutely. listeners too. And I think a key piece too that we don't discount necessarily, but we um, 
don't always put the value on it that we need to is the affirmation of the saints. And I think going mm-hmm. to somebody that's been doing this for longer than you and saying, hey, I think God said this to me and I think this is what he wants me to do. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And listening and trusting that the spirit of God in that person that's been doing this for a minute can speak into that, I think yeah. is a key piece as well in all of those. Because that's something that I heard that you did um, with mm-hmm. taking it to Tim and Heidi. And that's something that, I mean, all of us, I think need to make a better practice of, not necessarily the people at this table, but I think right. the people listening, like God has put people in our lives um, that have been doing this thing called being a follower of Jesus for longer than us for a reason. Mm-hmm. And don't feel like you have to do it on your own. And I know like that hearing God's voice moment is an intimate and it's between you and your father, but like finding a safe person to invite into that, that can affirm yeah. or say like, I don't know if that's something and you can sort through that with is really important as well. I think. Yeah, I love that you hit on that because mm-hmm. the Holy spirit in you is the same Holy spirit that's in yes. me. And so you can have somebody that can talk the talk or be able to say all the right things, mm-hmm. but you can't fake the Holy Spirit. Yep. And so I love that you brought that up because that's absolutely true that if you can go to a trusted brother or sister of like, hey, mm-hmm. this is what I'm thinking. What is? What are your thoughts? Yeah. That, you know, that they, they can speak life yeah, into you. Sure. That's yeah, that's awesome. and being like watching a podcast is great, but it's not community. 100%. And it's not someone that knows you as mm-hmm. an individual. Yep. So. This knowledge should draw us into relationship, draw us into community, draw us into the kingdom. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think there's so many people that struggle with that because they've been hurt. Um, they've they've been let down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say I'm sorry uh, that yeah. that relationship ended or worked out that way. And I don't think if you um, get in and seek another relationship like that, it will end that way necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, like, try it, <laughs> even mm-hmm. though it might be scary and it might be difficult because I know— um, for me, sometimes it's hard, uh, to trust yourself, like to open up to somebody that could potentially hurt you, uh, that right. could potentially let you down. Mm-hmm. But I think that the key piece to that is understanding that this person is also, it's not the Heidi or the Tim, it's the Christ in them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's trusting that they're going to give you access to that. And yeah. it's not just going to be their opinion, but they're going to be open to the Holy Spirit speaking through them in that space. And so. Yeah, it's hard. It's not easy. Um, hearing God's voice, I don't think anybody's perfected it. Um, and so it takes time. It takes practice. Um, it takes obedience. And uh, it's worth doing yeah. would be um, kind of the conclusion to that question. Anything else you guys would add before we move on? No, I think that's good. Sweet. Uh, the next question uh, we have on here is, with different views of Christianity, how do we maintain healthy conversations with those who believe in Christ but feel as if different things hold more significance than how you believe. I think that fits with our tab DNA of big, mm-hmm. rock, big rocks. Yeah. Um, when, you know, we can agree on the big rocks. If it's a Christian faith, then it's going to be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it's going to be a couple of those mm-hmm. big rocks. Yeah, salvation by grace alone, mm-hmm. um, the sacraments, different things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we may disagree about um, sprinkle or dunk. Yeah, right. Um, Super wine soaker. or right, yeah. wine or gluten free. <laughs> you know, we may disagree on that stuff, but focus on what we do agree on, um, because we're going to all spend eternity together. Right. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is the the There's a big two camps that disagree on things and I'm not going to go into it right now, but it's like, man, I can't wait to see their faces when they see each other in heaven <laughs> <laughs> and they yeah. realize like, oh, 
Yeah, it was just about Jesus. So anything you would add to that? Uh, just allow um, the Holy Spirit to lead you mm-hmm. in conversation. So sometimes he tells us when to speak and what to say. And sometimes he just says to be quiet. Yep. Mm-hmm. That it's not our job to convince anybody of anything, that mm-hmm. he is the one that will convict them yeah. or convict us if we're yeah. wrong. You know, right? So yeah. I just had that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think... Both of you hit it big time on that. Big rocks. Um, I, I think something here at the Tabernacle we talk about is we want to be known by what we're for, yes. um, not by what we're against. And that's not a progressive statement. Um, for anybody listening, that's not a we condone sin statement. Right. It is in the realm of theological um, theological bents or preferences or whatever it might be. We're going to unite around the things that we know, that we know, that we know, that it is black and white in Scripture this is the model Jesus laid out for us. And there are little things, um, mm-hmm. little rocks is what we call them, that at the end of the day, they're not essential issues. Um, Bible translation, right? That's right. something we talk about on the podcast often because I just had to, right? Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I didn't have a choice. But uh, yeah, little things like uh, communion and baptism and mm-hmm. different things. So yeah, I yeah, think. And, and Sorry. No, What's more important to Jesus is like the relationship, mm-hmm. like that, that, that if the big rocks are, are being taken care of and that they're in, like agreements with mm-hmm. that truly it's the relationship with the other yep. person of loving, loving them well yeah, absolutely. is more, I think would be important. Right. John three sixteen. Yeah. God so loved the world that he sent his only son to save him. He didn't send him to condemn, right. which is 17. Yeah. I didn't come to condemn. Yep. Came to seek and save the lost. And we're not supposed to condemn. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think too, for the individual, maybe that wrote this, um, I know sometimes as you enter into those conversations or those relationships with people that maybe don't think um, the same way you do, it can feel scary um, because what if what I know to be true isn't true anymore, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would encourage you as an individual to, to figure out what you believe. Um, spend time in God's word. Spend time um, accessing some resources, some theology books. Um, have some conversations. Get in a tab women's group or a or a fight club or whatever mm-hmm. that might be, and really dig down deep into what do I believe? Because mm-hmm. as you enter into those conversations, you can operate with confidence, but also with grace and with mercy. Because yeah. often I think the times that those conversations head south is when somebody's probably being insecure because mm-hmm. what they knew to be true might not be true, mm-hmm. or they might not know the full answer, and so they respond in anger. Or um, but that anger is probably actually rooted in fear. Yeah. And so I think for whoever um, wrote this question or if this question maybe perked your ears up is really get down to the to the to the concrete of what do you believe um, what of Christianity? What is your core yeah. values? Not just something you've heard John or Tim say from the stage or something that you heard on the podcast, but what through your time in Scripture, through the Holy Spirit in you, do you believe down to the ground to be true? Mm-hmm. Because as you're rooted in that, that will lead you in those conversations as well, too. Yeah. And I I would go back to Rachel's point too. I think that that was great Mm -hmm. advice, but um, am I, do I need to be right Mm. in this situation or am I going to build a relationship? And um, I I would hesitate to sacrifice a relationship just to be right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's something I struggle with for the personal listeners because I'm an Enneagram 8. And so I just feel the need to challenge for the sake of challenging, uh, which it's like, oh, yeah, we knew that. Uh, so, but yeah, I think that's that's key is the relationship aspect matters. Um, mm-hmm. It does. And that's that's our job here as Christians is to be Jesus with skin on. Um, yeah. And there are things that we need to stand for, but I think how we stand for those things is important. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that's really, really good. Anything else you guys want to add to that? This one's good because I'm looking at somebody that did mine. 
What do you think premarital counseling should cover and what is usually missed? <laughs> I'm not answering. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was uh, the best part of yours? Having you and Tim there. Okay. Um, I think having um, a male and female in there that have been doing it for a minute mm -hmm. um, in the realm of being married, in the realm of um, a Christ-centered marriage was really important for Hope and I um, because we got to ask some questions that uh, – if Hope would have had that question and had to ask Tim, that answer might not have meant the same thing as it did coming from you. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think for us, that was key. Um, and it's different for everybody. Some people, whatever, mm -hmm. like do your thing, whatever you think is best for you in your marriage. But for us, having a male and female there doing that counseling was really cool. And, uh, and it's proven to be useful because mm -hmm. you said a lot of things that taught me a lot. And Tim said a lot of things that taught Hope a lot mm -hmm. and vice versa. And so I nice. think that that, that piece and, uh, and you guys, I don't know, I guess if you know the Burgess family, you know, like you didn't like sugarcoat anything. <laughs> and at times it felt like, right. Mm -hmm. I said, felt like, like, man, they're saying really hard things. Are they just saying it? Cause they get to, <laughs> but like looking back, it's like, no, that, that was really valuable. And it's been good for our marriage that we had somebody that was willing to not just go through the motions, but was like, no, we're invested in this marriage. Not mm -hmm. we're not just doing this because it's a checked box. Like we're investing in this with you, and so that's what I think for us was key. Yeah. And that's not just because you're sitting here. Um, everybody I know that talks about marriage, I'm like, have you talked to Tim and Heidi about mm -hmm. that? Yet? So, <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think? Um, I think well, going on that, uh, someone that knows you, mm -hmm. or has been married a long time mm -hmm. um, and love Jesus. Um, and and I don't know, uh, be willing to talk about the hard things, but the hard things for you might be different 100%. than the hard things. You know, for some it might be finances. For some it m might be relationship. For some it might be past. Yeah, and I think what you had on was flexibility. Mm -hmm. is you and Tim didn't have your laid out black and white. We talk about finance this week. We talk about this this week. We talk about this this week. But you guys geared it towards us, and I think that was important as well. So sorry I didn't mean to No, that's, that's good because he does have four things that he wants to make sure that he goes over mm -hmm. with each yeah. couple. Um, so submission, what is that going to look like? And marriage is one of the topics, um, and we've kind of we've talked about that a lot. Yeah. Um, communication styles, whatever the issues are. Um, and style of communication, like, do you, do you run from conflict? Right. Um, is your spouse, like, no lead with conflict, and then we stay up till it's solved? Right. You know, yeah. um, how do you deal with conflict? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so more than specific topics, is God going to be the center of your family? Um, agree on that at mm -hmm. the outstart. Um, and... I know one of the um, big ones that Tim goes over is the Harry Potter message is what is if the magic gravestone mm -hmm. of if you come to my grave, which I'm not going to have one, um, and it, and it's Harry Potter, it will pop up. Britain, this is the message you got from Heidi. Yeah. I want to be sure that my actions, the majority of the time, my words, the majority of the time reflect that. Um you know, because I'm looking at you, I'm going to use yeah. different words than I would use for my spouse, right. but that, you know, I respect you. I'm grateful that you're part of the tabernacle, that you're part of our lives, that you found hope mm -hmm. and brought her to us. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I want to be sure that even if we've been through something hard, Mm -hmm. that the overwhelming message that you got from me is that you are loved and accepted Mm -hmm. for who you are. Yeah. Um, Which they did in a really uncomfortable way during marriage counseling. And it was the worst hour and a half of my life. (laughs) Was there onions? No, they literally just, oh, I cried the whole time. Like my throat was closing. Rachel was like, I couldn't eat something right now if I... We're sitting there and it's like, all right, we're all just going to say really nice things to Britain and make him listen. Mm-hmm. This is the stupidest thing I've ever been a part of. So I think that shouldn't be. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like but Hope, they knew. That's they Hope's knew favorite that's memory from needed. marriage counseling Aww. was when Britain couldn't talk because his throat closed because he was so nervous and crying. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what about for you, Rachel? Um, I don't know. Bo and I never kind of really went through that, but we have been through counseling with Tim and Heidi um, to better our marriage. Mm-hmm. And so I think, though, that the the base the basis of the foundation is yeah. to have God, um, yep. that you both are equally yoked in that. Um, I don't want to put God in a category, but right. in that category, yeah. you know, that you both um, are submitted to him because there is no way mm-hmm. that you can love your spouse if you don't know the love of, of Christ, you know, um, mm-hmm. and you're not submitted to him. Yeah. So I think that, um, but I think that is usually covered, um, hopefully, if it's the right, right. Mm-hmm. the right um, counselor. Mm-hmm. But I love that what you guys said about having that personal relationship with the couple you, I'm sure you guys have had couples that, you know, you just kind of met through because they were seeking to get married. You didn't know them before that, but mm-hmm. you have, you have counselors that have discernment of seeing maybe there is a, a little Britain across from them that just needs to be spoken love over, you know, so. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I love that she described it as little Britain too, because it was 10 year old Britain sitting in that chair that was like, this is dumb. Why am I here? I just want to go eat lunch. No, mm-hmm. it was good. It was really good. And it's been oh. good for us. My other favorite thing that you guys had us do while we were sane mm-hmm. was write those letters. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I won't go into full detail on it, but that was probably, mm-hmm. um, it's cool. It was a, it was a really sweet moment for hope and i to have those letters and to get to do that so yeah that was really neat and that's marriage counseling 101 with uh tim and heidi burgess mm-hmm. yeah that's the answer just have tim and heidi do it uh, no. yeah, uh <laughs> so yeah but i do i i will say um yes it is important and i would say um yes you 100 percent should do it um mm-hmm. if possible yeah um because it is necessary and there's a lot of stuff um that you can be quote unquote for lack of a better term saved from maybe mm-hmm. or conversations maybe you're not safe from it but you're aware of it mm-hmm. um one of the key lessons that hope and i learned as well that has played in our marriage in the workplace in my friendships and my relationships with my family is uncommunicated expectations lead to resentment mm-hmm. i had never heard that before until i sat there and it was like this is going to be a lesson that changes my life not mm-hmm. just my marriage right and so yeah there's those little nuggets so yes do it if you're a dude listen to this don't be soft Love your wife. Do it. A hundred percent. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. So. Yeah, because marriage isn't easy, and so you have more of those tools in your toolbox than right. Um, there you go. You like that? Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know what tools and toolbox is, go to marriage counseling. That's uh, right. Sweet. Uh, question number twenty-one says, "I am terrified of the verse where Jesus says, Depart from me. I never knew you.' I have a personal relationship with Jesus.'" But all of those people thought they knew him too, and they even did good things in his name. How do I know that he knows me too? 
Um, I'm going to need to look up that verse because I don't know that they said in there they knew him. Mm. Yeah. So uh, Matthew seven twenty one to 23. Yeah. We're all looking it up. This is yes. going to be an informed. This would be a great time if we had ads. <laughs> Make up an ad, Ben. Trace Cakes. Yeah. Shout out Trace Cakes. Uh, if you buy four cookies, you get one free. But make sure you use the code TAB Podcast. Okay, so Brent's gonna <laughs> um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who mm. is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them, plainly, you never knew me away from me, you evildoers. Um, that feels, so what do you guys think? What's your theological thing about that? Yeah, um, I think Jesus is talking to the fact that uh, that um, faith by works um, only um, is not what leads to salvation. I think these people were identifying um, their relationship with Jesus or their um, security in the kingdom of God by the things that they've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, what Jesus is pointing to here is kind of the, uh, it's a relationship. It's knowing me. It's um, yeah. it's a faith in me. And so that's kind of the first place I go to when I hear that is it's not the things you've done. It's not because you're a good person. It's not because you can perform miracles and mm-hmm. cast out demons or do any of those things. It's because you knew Jesus right. on an intimate, personal level. Yes. It's Ephesians 2, right? It's by grace through faith that you've been saved, not yeah. so that no one can boast. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of the first place I go to was those people's evidence of salvation um, was one that wasn't pointing to Jesus, but it was pointing to self. Um, Alistair Begg talks about that if your um, evidence of your salvation starts with because I, mm-hmm. then you have it all wrong because it's because he, yes. because he. And so I think that that's kind of what I see there and kind of discern from um, that text, the things I've been taught and uh, what I feel like the Holy Spirit kind of inspires there. So. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? What I think of, um, I think that was great. Yeah. Um, from a, a more practical perspective of, yep. so it's like if I teach a basketball camp about, uh, okay, we're going to use Michael Jordan's dribbling techniques and we're going to use Michael Jordan's shooting techniques and we're going to wear Michael Jordan's shoes, but I've never met Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Then if I show up at his gym, he's not going to know me. Right. You did this in my name, but you don't know me. You don't have mm-hmm. a relationship. Yeah. And so Christ all of those things then that you said it's yeah. about my relationship with Christ not what I did mm, that's good mm-hmm. yeah so I have personally I've struggled with this oh, verse, that's like, one of the most terrifying things in my life so I same. identify with whoever yeah. wrote this yes yep and I was like so I think one of the key things is that I have a personal relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. right that's a key thing yes. and then I think from like another perspective of it is I think that the adversary oftentimes wants to keep us in a state of fear that, um, and I, from my own journey, that was almost kind of like the, the foothold of like, you're not really God's, Mm -hmm. you know, why, if you, if the adversary can get you and convince you that you don't belong to Jesus Christ, then why would you stand up? Why would you put on the armor? Why would you pick up the sword of his word? Mm -hmm. And so I think that, um, if you have a personal relationship and then how I've combated this when I start getting those, those lies or those accusations mm-hmm. um, at me of like, you, you don't really belong to God. You know, um, I have clung to his word and I'm going to just look up the verse real quick. Um, it says, and now you Gentiles have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. 
And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit who is promised long ago. And so I cling to that because I know that the Holy Spirit lives in me. And so that is my guarantee that of, of my inheritance, that yeah. that no matter what accusations come at me, I know that his spirit is in me because and I have a relationship, a personal relationship. So I can combat that with his word yeah. of, yeah. of uh, and stand in the truth. Because I think that anytime that we talk about I'm terrified or there's fear, mm-hmm. that's not from God. Yeah, that's good. And so it's important to stand on his promises and his word of, okay, this is why is the enemy trying to disarm me mm-hmm. with these thoughts? Because all, all the enemy can do to us is convince us to believe a lie. Yep. He, that's, that's it. That's the only power he has. So when the enemy brings a lie to us, we can choose to pick it up, but it's poison. Mm. We can choose to eat it and it will make us sick and we, and we won't have the strength to, to stand firm in, in God's promises until we're reminded, oh no, this is what God said. Mm. I do belong to him. And, and I do like what you guys said though, too, that it's not about works. It's all about Jesus and what he did mm-hmm. and what he's able to do. So yeah, that's good. I yeah. love the point that you're pointing to of replacing those lies with truth. Mm-hmm. So yes. it's not just like the practice of, well, I know that's a lie, mm-hmm. but taking the time to practically replace that lie with truth. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that's where you're exposing that darkness to light. Mm-hmm. Because often over time, if you're not replacing that thought with something, that thought just becomes concrete. And so I think taking the time to replace that lie with truth is key. That's really, really good. Mm-hmm. I love yep. that you pointed to that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think th- I'm really glad you brought it back to what the person wrote mm-hmm. because we can give the theological answers right. all day long, but if we miss the person, mm-hmm. then we've missed the relationship yep. and, and seeing the fear yeah. is that was great. That's good. Because I mean, John uh, 10, 10, I think I just might have just pulled that over. The enemy only comes to steal, kill and destroy. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've missed that word only for so long. And it wasn't until I was listening to another pastor talk um, months ago. And it was like, man, like that's such a good, word to see there. So anytime like in my life I find in my face with something that is going to still kill or destroy me, mm-hmm. it's probably the enemy. Yep. And I think too, to encourage this person is, um, how do I know all of this? The fact that you're concerned about it is a good sign mm-hmm. that you're yeah. in the right camp. Yep. Um, because the people that, that want to know Jesus that, that are worried about those things, like that's mm-hmm. a good thing, uh, mm-hmm. not to be worried, but it's good that you're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find confidence in that as well. But yeah, Anytime there's fear or anything like that, replace that with truth. Um, that's not the God we serve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a loving God that cares and sees you and values you. He knows the hairs on your head. He counts your tears in a bottle. And so mm-hmm. I think for you even, um, think back to the moment, like, when did it start? Uh, I love when David says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, go back to that moment. What did that moment look like? And I think that's a good place to go as well when you're concerned about that. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, it kind of goes back to the question of how do you know when God is speaking to you versus your own ideas? Because, I mean, test it. You mm-hmm. know, if if you have that fear and you're like, well, which camp am I in? Test it. Yeah. Do, do I have a relationship with God? You know, First Thessalonians 5.21, test all things, yep. right? So, um, yeah. Awesome. Here's a good one. We are supposed to have community, but it always ends up messy and painful. (laughs) Why would God want us to be in relationships that just bring hurt? Heidi, what do you think? Well, um, I don't think he wants us to be only in relationships Mm. that bring hurt. Um, but 
people are messy. Hmm. I mean, there's the only perfect relationship is between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And every other relationship, God has us messed up. Yeah. Forever. Yep. Right? So um, until Jesus comes again, I think it's going to get better then. But if we don't reach out to each other, who will? I mean, we need, we're Jesus with the hands and feet, um, skin on. Or the hands and feet of Jesus were um, little Christ in us going to do the Great Commission, right? Um, so it's all about the relationships. God did it first. And if we're going to be like God, then we need to wade into the messiness mm. of humanity. Yeah, good. I've got nothing to add to you. Uh, just that this gives us opportunity to learn to be more like Christ too. Yeah. If yeah. we have, if it, everything was perfect and it was just Sunnyville everywhere mm-hmm. we are, like we, we wouldn't learn how, what it means to sacrifice, what we wouldn't learn, what it means to um, submit or humble ourselves before, you know, um, our friends or our really in our relationships. We wouldn't know what it means to say, forgive them father for they know not what they do. Like if, I think that part of it being messy, if Jesus, like what you said, you know, Jesus was able to come down and um, be burdened with all of the things of human nature, like to to endure with us and for us, then we can do that for our fellow yeah. brother and sister. Good. Yeah. Good. yeah, and you might not want, know why God has you there, mm-hmm. and so um, I would encourage whoever that is in a really nice, loving way, look outside yourself for a moment yeah. and ask yourself, mm-hmm. why am I standing in this mess? Because He might be. Um, giving you a responsibility or uh, using you as a as an agent or a conduit of change in that space mm-hmm. um, that might be uncomfortable or hard, but that might be why he has you there. So, right. and the change might be. I mean, I th- as you say that being a conduit of change, it's like, oh, good, I'm going to come in. I'm going to help <laughs> you guys change. Right. Ready? Yeah. Um, but like our pastors say, I'm preaching this sermon. I pre God taught it to me first about 100%. myself. Yeah. And. And how can I understand Christ's sacrifice or God's sacrifice of his son if I don't understand how hard it is mm-hmm. to be with people? Yeah, that's good. Good. Oh, man, this question hurts. Um, I have had an abortion. Can God ever forgive me? Of course he can. Yeah. He, and yes. There's uh, the academic answer is there's only one under unforgivable sin in Scripture and that's denying the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, every other sin is forgivable. Yep. Can you forgive yourself? Mm. And if you need help with that, talk to somebody. Yeah, I think that there's definitely mercy and grace that is just poured out on all of us. And so, um, I remember. It was a couple of years ago, Foster was doing a thing in Manistee and he was talking about grace and I was struggling like during that meeting and I was like, I understand what mercy is. Mercy, like um, I know what I was freed from. I know um, what he saved me from and like where I was supposed to be going, you know, but I couldn't wrap my head around grace. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was pretty upset during do you remember that one yes we both cried yeah we both did yeah, it's like, a big day for rachel yeah, and i it was <laughs> different times it was yeah no one made fun of rachel for crying though no mm. oh you I'm got made sorry fun of they made fun of you i didn't say that so you guys would say that oh. now it sounds like i was just fishing for Heidi <laughs> to give you that. <laughs> but so, still. it was like a good um 
it was like such a good thing. Like I, I, I was like, well, I know that I can give the textbook answer of what grace is, you know, but I knew that I didn't have the wisdom and full understanding of what grace was. And so as I was weeping, I just was really emotional that day. I, we, we left and I drove by myself and I had the radio off and I just was like kind of weeping and I was like, what is mercy? What is grace? What is mercy? What is grace? And then all of a sudden I see this picture in my head because like, I mean, I, whatever, just I see pictures in my head, but um, of the woman weeping at Jesus' feet mm-hmm. and she was wiping her tears with her her hair and I was like, yes, God, that is me. I am the woman <laughs> crying at your feet, you know? And then I got the picture again. And then I was like, yeah, like that's me. And then the third time I was like, oh, I got to read my book. <laughs> like I got to read the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> so I pulled over and I, and I um, read the story. And Jesus is at this Pharisee's house and um, there's this woman that is weeping at his feet and she's um, drying her tears with her hair. And there's a guy, Simon, sitting across from him, and he's just, in his heart, just really wicked. and just like, man, Jesus, if you knew this girl mm-hmm. and what she did, you wouldn't even want her near you, mm-hmm. you know? But Jesus being the the God that he is, he was discer- he discerned that, and he called Simon out, and he goes, and he talks about the parable about he who is sins much is forgiven, mm-hmm. or he who is forgiven much is, um, loves much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, but this is where the part that, um, I feel like God was, why God was like, pull over and and read the story. So he looks down at that woman and he says, your sins are forgiven. And I heard the word mercy. Mm. And then the very next thing he says to her is now go in peace. Mm. And I heard the word grace. Mm. And so uh, that was the beginning of my understanding of, um, the difference between mercy and grace. But I think that that was uh, applies to everything that we have within our, our life, whether some, something that has happened, like a sin that's happened to us or a sin that we've done, that there's mercy and forgiveness for that sin. But then there's grace that meets us there, that we're no longer that person. We're no longer bound in those chains of, of this is who I am because he gives us a new a new heart, a new mind, a new name and a new robe. Like everything is new. So like we don't have to put on that old robe or that old name that we have. And so if you, I've I've sat across from a handful of women that have mm-hmm. opened up and shared with me that they, that they have had an abortion and they had so much courage to do that because I think oftentimes as Christians, we will always 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 stand firm that life begins at conception we will always stand and and fight for life because god is the creator of life however i think we got to be very careful to not be the simon and look at those those women and and be as saying to jesus like if you only knew Mm -hmm. we will fight for all the lives the life mm -hmm. of the unborn and then life of the of the woman that lives with that decision, yeah. Um, all of the lives are important. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. Thank you, guys. Um, number thirty. How can I incorporate God in our home without it being too pushy or in, in, inorganic? I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I don't know how to practically do this. Um. I well. So I think that grow yourself and then be authentic with the people you're with. 
So, um, like in my home growing up, we went to church on Sunday. The only time we opened the Bible um, at home was Advent. Mm-hmm. So I loved Advent because we would get that out and then we would sing the hymns. The my I was the only one that sang. My dad didn't <laughs> sing. My brothers didn't sing. But my mom sang too. But I loved that that because by our tradition, my parents felt they were doing what they needed to do, taking us to church and mm-hmm. Sunday school, um, and then living it out because they were very committed to living it out, but without words. Mm. Um, and so then for me, growing into, okay, so I loved that experience at Advent, so I wanted to let my kids have an experience too around that um, as it became uh, more authentic for me. Like uh, we have a bobblehead Jesus. We don't have a cross up in the house. We have a bobblehead Jesus. That keeps it real for us of who Christ is, but that it's about the relationship, not the rules and the ritual. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I remember, you know, in the process of, homeschooling my kids and um that one of them would say well mom why do you make everything about god and at that point you know 20 years into my walk with christ i could say well show me something that isn't and i won't mention him (laughs) you know but it was authentic Mm -hmm. it was truly how i felt yeah so grow into it let it be the natural rhythm of your family know who's in your home, know how they feel there. And um, like we have as many books that are not about Jesus in our house as we have books that are about Jesus. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is different because I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was more Christer. And so um, I think what how Bo and I have implemented it is um, it just says, so the question is like, how do we do it without being pushy or inorganic? Just don't be inorganic. Yeah. Like just, just let it be a natural thing, a, a natural language of your home. And, um, I just, yeah, that's all I really yeah. have. I just don't let it be inorganic. Yeah. My short answer is you can't take place people to a place you're not willing to go or you haven't mm-hmm. been to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I think Heidi, you hit it on the head with the, um, take care of your end first. And then as you are doing that. I think it, the overflow of that. So yeah, that's good. And uh, this will be our last question for this session. And uh, maybe we'll have to have a part three because it's just fun hanging out with you guys. Mm-hmm. Why can't females be pastors or lead in a church? Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so I will tell you like my whole journey with this in our last church, um, I was asked if I, would be a deacon and I went to my father-in-law and said so what I don't want to sin I was new at doing this and it's like I don't want to sin can I do this and so he wrote out a bunch of scripture for me to teach me where the role of women has been in the church and um, some churches that have no male leadership only have female leadership Um, so there's a role to be filled and so I, I still struggle with this pride um, myself. So John, and you guys mentioned this in another podcast, but this little 
Outlier, Jesus, Justice, and Gender Roles. Yeah, hold it up. By Kathy Keller. Yep. There. You see it? <laughs> yeah. We'll okay. put it in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, I, I had to read it twice the first time because <clears throat> because my pride gets in the way, and it's like, yeah, but I could. Yeah, but I could. And somebody, I think it was you, told me about Elizabeth Elliot quote about, I probably have she saying this about herself, have more pastoral gifts than the pastor of my church, but that's not my responsibility. Mm. My role is to use these gifts in this venue, and his role is to, his responsibility is to use them to lead the congregation. Mm. So, um, I think that's what it comes down to. In our, some churches do have women who are lead pastors. Our church doesn't have that, but women are invited to do every part of it except be the lead pastor. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think too, just um, as we've talked about this, this has been a topic that we've been discussing a lot as um, a pastoral team here at this church. And essentially what it comes down to is it's not an ability issue. Um, no one, not one of our pastors at our church thinks that, that we're better than, that we have more skills or more gifts than anybody. I would be the first in line to say that Heidi Burgess has more shepherding pastoral gifts than a, a lot of the people at our church, myself included, because it's not an ability issue as much as it is a responsibility issue. That we, mm-hmm. What we see is that in God's design, he put this responsibility on men to lead and and be that part for the church. And it's not because as pastors, we love having control and we love heavy handing everything Mm -hmm. and then women can't, that's not it. It's just the responsibility in which God has given to men. And there are plenty of times in my passive life that I'm like, I wish somebody else would do this. Mm -hmm. And so that, I think that's a key piece is it's not an ability issue. And I want people to hear the heart in that is it's not the women are less. No. It's a responsibility mm-hmm. and it, it plays out in a marriage as well. I think, mm-hmm. um, I think that we see the same kind of construct in the, a biblical marriage with man and woman and how men are called to lead and to be held responsible for how that goes. And it's not because hope's not a good leader. Mm-hmm. It's not because she's not smarter than me. It's mm-hmm. not because she's not more gifted than me because she is all of those. Mm-hmm. It's just the responsibility I've been given by God. And I mm-hmm. think that, the times that we see things not go well or when that order gets messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, we think back to the garden, right? As we see, yes, Eve stepped into leadership and she took the apple. Where was Adam? Mm-hmm. Passively standing there, not taking the responsibility that God had given to him. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that that's a part of it. And I would encourage you, if you struggle with that or you um, or you have more questions, find one of your pastors um, at either campus that you go to or send us an email. And we would love to have that conversation because it's yeah. not— malicious um it's not mm-hmm. out of a less than attitude um mm-hmm. it's just as we read and um and understand and interpret scripture that's where we find um that's where it lands is it's it's not mm-hmm. an ability issue it's the responsibility that god has given to men and so that's kind of where we land um as a church yeah and john just did a sermon on this about mm-hmm. submission like the levels yeah. of submission that it was like Jesus submitted to God and then um, man submits to Jesus and the woman. And so when he was going through that, I remember sitting in the pews and not pews, but not pews. Here. We're too cool for that. Um, there's another We've got chair. chairs that hook together chairs, and just don't have sides. <laughs> super soft. Um, but I remember just kind of, that was like the first time that my eye was kind of, eyes were open to like, oh my gosh, I have that many levels of protection over mm. me. 
that it's God and Jesus and my husband's doing it well. Like I have that many layers of protection of that. He's like, you are my daughter and I love you and I'm going to um, protect you. Yeah. Like, and so I just see it as more of the, it's like you guys said, it's not a, that we're not capable, but that it is an honor to be able to be um, the helper yeah. that, and it, mm-hmm. and I learn more things about how to be Christ in my role because um, he came to serve. Yeah. And so as a helper, I can come and serve others. And yeah. I, I learn Christ in a much deeper and deeper way that I think as a woman, when I'm st- staying in my lane, I yeah. guess. <laughs> yeah. um, no, um, I appreciate you guys' um, perspective on that. And I appreciate your honesty, that it's something you've wrestled with, that it's something you've had to sort through and, and ask those questions. And it's something that at times I've had to wrestle with. Um, mm-hmm. It's not just because I'm a dude, I instantly think this way. Um, I grew up in a culture that was not that way towards women and they weren't the nicest about it. And we didn't affirm women as valuable at all, if I'm being honest. And so I think it's good um, for us to wrestle with that and ask those questions and ultimately get back to the heart of God um, in that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the key piece is to remove our hurt, to remove our pride, to remove whatever lens from the world we're looking at it through and try to look at this through the lens of God's heart and his desire and his intentional design for his people. Mm-hmm. And as we look at that, we'll, that, that kind of the, the, the muddy begins to become a little bit more clear, I think. So, yeah. yeah. And I like what Rachel said about the protection, mm-hmm. because when I look at, um, Tim doesn't tell me everything that he and John and Ben have to deal with as the, you know, the leaders of our church, but I see how heavy it weighs on him mm. and, and their heart issues. They are, you know, they're, they're relational things. And I, I know that some of those things would be really hard for me to not make personal mm. um, because of the temperament God's given me as a nurturing, caring woman. Yeah. And Tim and John and Ben just have this extra layer of, callous not callousness Mm -hmm. um but a protection to offer us so that we can be free to do what we're really good at yep absolutely well i love it and uh love you guys this was awesome and Mm -hmm. i appreciate it um shout out to uh trace cakes i guess you brought them up i mean i think tracy what Britton was saying is that that you buy four, you get one free. He's going to pay for that extra free one, so don't worry about it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. My buddy Tom said he'd cover Foundry, it. Right? So, uh, my buddy Tom said he'd oh. cover it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'll reach out to Tom Tracy. He'd love to cover that for you. You might know him. Uh, but yeah, Trace Cakes, I know it's uh, Christmas time. I bet she has Christmas cookies. Mm-hmm. She's got hot chocolate bombs, doesn't she, Benji? We learned that the hard way last year. <laughs> we don't talk about it. Yeah, whatever you do, don't we take don't a bite out of that. it. Yeah. <laughs> That was one of my, that was, that was before they were vodcast. Yeah. And that was one of my favorite visuals. <laughs> oh man, I wish that was on video. That was an incredible moment. So yeah, shout out Trace Cakes. Um, Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Love it. Binge. Thanks, bro. Look like you've been working out, bro. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Well, until next time, Tab Family, this is Rachel, Heidi, Benjimon, and Britton signing off. Mm-hmm.